just in case uh, you didn't know, we are doing this thing called 40 Days of Purpose. And uh, you may have picked up, there's a little bit of repetition. Have you picked that up in, uh, in stuff that you read and stuff that's said and, uh, and in the verses? Uh, so just to remind you uh, what it's all about. Uh, there's seven messages to hear, there's six small groups to attend, uh, there's 40 daily readings to read, and there's six memory verses to learn. And isn't it great that at least one person has, uh, has learned uh, last week's memory verse? It's not going to be a test, you don't need to, this isn't to make people feel guilty, we're not going around saying have you learned your memory verse, have you, have you done your daily reading, have you attended your house group, it's not, we don't want to make people feel guilty but we do want to encourage people uh, to journey together uh, in Christ and that's what we're doing. So today uh, we're going to continue in our 40 days of purpose, if you've, uh, if you've got uh, some notes you may or may not want to follow them, they they're there for you. Use them if you like. If you don't, just uh, ignore them. That was last week's memory verse. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And all last week we were thinking about that question, what on earth am I here for? And we spent the whole week uh, thinking about that and talking about that. And uh, this week, uh, the journey of a lifetime continues. Week two... And it's day eight. Day eight. How good is that? Day eight of 40 days. We're into it now. Uh, we've been talking about it and planning and preparing it. But now we're actually on the journey. And do enjoy it. You know? Uh, do enjoy it. Don't let it become a burden. Oh, I've got to do my reading. Richard might ask me about a small group. I hope nobody asks me about the memory verse because I've not learned it. Don't let it become a, a burden. Enjoy it. Enjoy uh, the journey. And uh, in this week, uh, we're going to be thinking about the first purpose. You know, we're going to be introduced to five purposes during the course of this 40 days. And today we're introducing uh, the first purpose that God created us for. It says in Revelation, you, God, created everything... And it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Just notice that phrase, for your pleasure. The Bible says that you and I were created for God's enjoyment. God made you to enjoy you. God planned you for his purpose. Now last week we were talking about the fact that you were created to be loved by God, and this week we're looking at the flip side of that, that the first purpose of your life is that God wants you to love him back. One day Jesus was walking down the street and a guy came up to him and said, Lord, what's the most important commandment in the entire Bible? And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. This is the most important thing. If you don't get anything else, get this, the most important thing. And it's there on your outline. Love the Lord your God. This is the first and greatest commandment. Notice it says first and greatest. God says if you don't get anything else, get this. Because this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to learn. That God loves you and that you're supposed to love God back. Because he made you, he created you. And he wants you to know him and to love him. 
Now there's a word for this that we're going to be using. And it's a word that sometimes is uh, misunderstood or misrepresented. And that word is worship. Worship is knowing and loving God back. The problem is that worship is very often uh, misunderstood. When I say the word worship, uh, what do you think of? You perhaps think of a, of a time of singing or uh, a time of praying. You may think of, uh, of, of, of an activity uh, in church, communion. Uh, probably associated with, something associated with church probably. But worship is far more than all those things. You might want to write down, my first purpose is to worship God. My first purpose is to worship God. It's your primary objective. It's your highest priority. It's your number one purpose in life. And we're going to be thinking about what that means today. What does a person look like when they're worshipping? Have you ever thought about that? What does a person look like if you were worshipping? If you was to Google um, the word worship or person worshipping, the chances are you'd get a picture of it like this. Well, that may be the way we worship sometimes, but worship is much more than, than this. Worship is so much more than this. There are so many different ways that we can worship God. And we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to be looking at what does it really mean uh, to worship. One of the best verses that defines worship is in Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. This is the true worship that you should offer. I'm not going to go into this verse a great deal this morning because this is the verse that we're going to be studying in our small groups. But I want to point out two things. First of all, um, that worship is my response to God's love. Worship is just the way that we react. I respond to God when he loves me. That's what worship is. Notice it says because. Because of God's great mercy. His love to us. Worship is always a response. It's the way that we respond to God. You see, God takes the initiative. God always makes the first move. God doesn't ever ask us to make the first move. He always moves first. He created us. He saves us. He forgives us. He blesses us. He protects us. And all these things, because of all these things, we in response are called to worship him. And notice how we do that. It says the word offer. That word describes worship. The second thing is uh, giving back to God. Worship is giving back to God. He gives to us and we give back to him. And whenever we give something back to God, because everything we have comes from God, and when we offer it back to God, that is called worship. And that brings God pleasure. It brings enjoyment to God. You know, when, uh, as a parent, you know, when, when uh, my children are grateful... 
for something that I do for them. It brings me pleasure. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Most of the time as a parent, you're taken for granted. But every now and again, uh, you know, they might actually say thank you. Thank you that you did that for me. You know, thank you. I've, I've got a text on my phone that I've kept from, uh, from Rachel. And it's thanking us for a lovely holiday. It doesn't happen that often. So I've kept the text and in many ways I treasure that text. Because here is my child thanking me for something that I've done for her. And when we are thankful to God, that's worship and we bring God pleasure. There's something that you can do this morning that will bring God pleasure. And that is to offer yourself in worship, to give thanks to God for what he has done. It's a response. We give back to God. We offer ourselves. When we're grateful to our Heavenly Father, that brings him pleasure. But what can we give to God? The God who created the world. The God who's got everything. You know, some of us find it difficult to to think of, of Christmas presents for our loved ones. But what can we possibly offer to the God of all creation? What can we possibly offer? Well... We can offer him something. We can offer him something. He, he's, and, and the Bible is very specific about it. In Mark chapter 12, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is uh, this week's memory verse. This is uh, on the back of the tags, which you can uh, collect at the end of the service on the 40 days uh, uh, table, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, and uh, with all your strength. This is what we're going to be thinking about this morning. This is what we're going to be concentrating this week. I want to point out that God wants us to love him in three ways. He wants us to love him thoughtfully. It says love him with your mind. In other words, he wants you to, to think about it. Uh, and not just do it without thinking. He wants us to think and that's part of what we're doing in, in the small groups. We're actually thinking and engaging with God's word. We're thinking about what it means uh, to love God. Secondly, God wants me to love him passionately. He says, with all your heart and soul. He wants us to, to be passionate in the way that, uh, that we love him. And thirdly, he says, uh, he wants us to love us practically. Love me with all your strength, with all your abilities. You see, even though God created the whole universe and he created you and he, and he created me, there are three things that God does not have unless we give them to him. He doesn't have our attention unless we give it to him. That's loving God with your mind. He doesn't have our affection unless you give it to him. That's loving God with your heart and your soul. And God doesn't have your abilities unless you give them to him. That's loving God with your strength I and mean, your abilities and the gifts that you've got that you can use for him. So, number one, worshipping is focusing my attention on God. It's focusing my mind, my thoughts, my attention of God. You know, a lot of people think uh, the idea of worship or religion is, is about being uh, neutral, to kind of, kind of lose your mind to the universe. But the truth is that God wants us to be thinking people. He doesn't want us to, to leave our minds at the doorstep and to come in and, and be in neutral. Uh, he wants us to think and to use our minds to good effect. God wants us to worship him thoughtfully. Not just going through the motions, but really, really thinking about what we're doing. 
don't know about you, but have you ever prayed on autopilot? You know, and, and suddenly you, you, your mind's wandered somewhere else, or you've prayed something, and if someone said, what have you prayed, you, you couldn't remember, because you just kind of, you're not really focusing your attention. Or have you ever zoned out in church? Obviously not when I'm speaking, but you know, at other points of the service, and, you, and your mind's wandered, and, and suddenly you're thinking about uh, something you've got to do later on in the day, or the dinner, or whatever, and uh, you've kind of zoned out. You know... Giving God our attention requires energy and effort. It won't happen unless we decide to do it, to actually focus our attention on God. Our mind will wander all over the place unless we actually stop and think. And you know, do you know why God wants you to focus? God wants you to focus on Him because He is focused on you. Look at this next verse. You have looked deep into my heart. This is a psalmist speaking. You have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I am resting or when I am working. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. Hard to get our minds around this, but God's attention is on us. He sees us all the time. He sees us where we go, wherever we are. His attention is on us. God has focused his attention on you. He knows that you're here this morning, but he also knows where you are on a Monday and a Tuesday. God pays attention to you. He never takes his eyes off you. He never stops thinking about you. The reason that he made you was to love you. Sometimes, you know, um, men especially, they might say things like this. You know, my, my wife and my kids, they say I don't love them. But I do all sorts of things to them. I I work for them every day. I I provide for them. I feed them. I clothe them. How can they possibly feel that I don't love them? Well, maybe it's because they don't feel that they've got your attention. That you're never there. And when you are there, that you're kind of somewhere else. Your mind's somewhere else. Very often what people are really looking for is uh, someone to, to, to actually give them attention. I'm sure we've all spoken to people, and you kind of know they're not really with you. Their mind's somewhere else. Uh, they're looking uh, somewhere else because of somebody else they've got to speak to, and you feel that you've not really got their attention. Well, be assured this morning, you know, uh, you've got the attention of God. And worship, it's just responding to the fact that God pays attention to us. He wants us to focus our attention on him. It's a bit like those auto-focus cameras now that we all have. You know, you, you look at it and it automatically focuses on whatever you're pointed at, doesn't it? Well, we're not like that. Uh, unless we decide to focus on something, um, we don't focus on it. So then, this is what another couple of verses says. Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. The danger is that our focus automatically seems to revert to thinking about ourselves. Uh, We are self-obsessed and we live in a self-obsessed society. And uh, when we focus on ourselves... Uh, We're not focusing on God. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. It is a decision to decide to fix our attention on God. We have to think about it. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, you can do it by by establishing that daily routine. And this is a big part of the the 40 Days of Purpose campaign. And the fact that we're all reading this book. And if you haven't got it yet, do get a copy. There's some outside there. And it's this idea that we stop 
every day and we make time just to focus on God. And we're trying to introduce that as a daily habit and we hope it will last more than 40 days that people think, hey, this is good. I'm finding a place in my day where I actually stop and focus on God. You can do it in all sorts of ways. I heard of one guy that used to uh, set his alarm clock to, to kind of beep on the hour. And every hour he used that as an indicator just to stop and think about God, whether they was at work or wherever they were. There'd just be a little beep and that would be just to remind him uh, to pray in a situation that he was him or for the people that were around him. Nobody else knew what it was for. Uh, just a silent little beep that reminded them to, uh, to pay attention to God. And we need those little reminders. We need those things that, that kind of focus our mind. Uh, back on God. So that's one way we can do. Another way is to find a quiet, secluded place, the Bible says. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Notice that word, you know, place, finding a place. In the Old Testament times, you know, if you wanted to worship God, you had to go to the temple. You had to go to a place. And sometimes we, we, we continue that way of thinking, that we think, ah, yes, if I want to, to focus on God, I need to go to church. Well, I've got good news for you. You can focus on God anywhere and everywhere. You don't have to come to church to focus on God. It's a good thing to do to come to church. Um, but we just do that once a week. And uh, we can focus on God, and it's that finding uh, a place. I notice that word, uh, simply. You know, just simply be with God. You know, it doesn't have to be a great ceremony or, or fancy words. You can just be with God. I notice also that word, honestly. In other words, be yourself. Don't try and be somebody you're not. One of the problems with church is that we're not always honest with each other. Sometimes people get the impression, and, and, and you can understand why they get this impression, that, that when you come to church, you know, you have to be a happy person, you have to be a, a joyful person, uh, you have to be, you know, always wanting to jump up and down and praise God. And sometimes at church, we associate that with worship, don't we? The fact that we're joyful. And uh, the truth is, you know, some of us, um, we might not have had a great week. Most of us, there can't be anybody here who hasn't been... Uh, greatly affected and saddened by the sights we've seen on our television screens. There's something wrong if, if that doesn't affect the way that we think and we feel when we see the terrible devastation in Japan with the earthquake and the tsunami. And I don't know about you, but I, I can't jump up and down and be joyful when I know that there's so much suffering going on. It's right there in my living room. And if we just come here and ignore that and just carry on praising God as if nothing else is happening, um, we're not only not being honest... Um, we're being very selfish and very self-centered and we're not really demonstrating our care for the world and later on we'll be praying for that devastation, devastating situation and I'm sure you already have been but also, you know, it's, you know, out of the people that come here you know, there will be people that come here whose hearts are, are full of sorrow and grief and that's okay God's okay with that Sometimes people in church aren't, you know, you go to people and, and someone says, how are you? And if you say you've had a terrible week, they don't want to know. <laughs> they don't want to know, it's obvious in the face, they want them to know that you're okay. They don't want to know about your problems. If you're not okay, they'll quickly move on to find someone that is okay. And I just want to say, you know, one of the sad things is that very often, you know, people don't come to church because of problems in their lives. They stop coming to church. And one of the reasons is, we don't make it okay for people not to be okay in church. 
You know, worship isn't just about jumping up and down. Worship isn't just about this. It can also be about our tears, our sadness, our bitterness, our anger, our frustration. You know, go to the Psalms and you'll see the psalmist is real, he's honest with God. He says exactly how he feels. He talks about the anger, about the situations, the frustration, the heartaches. And he offers that to God in worship. Because that's what worship is. It's not just about singing a few praise songs and getting a good kind of fuzzy emotional feeling. We can be passionate. And we, when you hear that word passionate, we probably think about, you know, being zealous for God. But we can be, you know, we can be passionate in, in, in showing our feelings about who we really are. Be honest. And then the next verse, you know, worship him continually. This is worshiping him in every situation. Because we can worship God when things aren't going well. We can worship God when our lives are a mess. We've heard about Gary's testimony, you know, that being a Christian isn't just about being okay all the time. Sometimes we mess up, sometimes we make mistakes. And we can continually worship. And one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn is that I can worship God out of a heart of sorrow and pain. Sometimes we sing a song, and if I'm honest, we sing it a bit too fast because uh, it's not an upbeat praise song. When we sing Blessed Be Your Name, you know, that great Matt Redmond song, I love it, but that's not an upbeat, uh, fast worship song. He talks about, you know, there being pain in the offering because of the road that is marked with suffering. That, that song comes out of a, a, a terrible situation that Matt Redmond and his wife had to go through. And uh, they were just offering their hearts in an awful situation to God. In worship, because we can respond to any situation in worship. And we think it's only the good situations that we can praise God in. But we praise and worship God continually in every situation. We just offer back to God what's happening to us in our lives. And look at this next verse. Uh, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You see, we find a peace... A peace that the world doesn't know and can't understand because we discover that God is in that situation with us. So, we worship him continually. Worship is about offering everything that we are, everything that happens us back to God. The good, the bad and the ugly. We can offer it all to God and he accepts it as worship. Not only is worship focusing my attention on God, it is also expressing my affection to God. Expressing my affection to God. This is loving God with your heart and soul. And some of us find it difficult. Because maybe you grew up in a family that wasn't very affectionate. Maybe you grew up in a family where, you know, uh, you know parents didn't uh, tell you that they love you. Certainly, uh, you know, my generation, people older than me, it, it wasn't really the dumb thing for parents to tell the, the children uh, that they loved them. Uh, it didn't happen. People weren't, you know, it was this stiff upper lip and, and, and it wasn't shared and you could have grown up in a, in a home where, where nobody actually said, you know, I love you. And so we find it difficult uh, to say to, to God, I love you. And of course it's dangerous, isn't it, to tell somebody that you love them. You know, think of uh, relationships when you first, you know, get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, that moment when one says, you know, takes the, the step of saying, I love you. And it's a dangerous thing because you don't know how the other person's going to respond. They might not love you back. The great thing with God is, he's already told us. We don't need to worry. When we say to God, I love you, 
God has already put himself out there and said in so many different ways that he loves us. He's shown us through the Bible, through sending his son Jesus to die on a cross. He's demonstrated just how much he loves you. And uh, we're called in worship to love him back. You see, we love him because he first loved us. He loved us first. And our response in worship is to love him back. And, you know, if you find that difficult, I understand that why you might find that difficult. Uh, but be assured that God loves you. And if you tell him that you love him, you're not going to face the rejection that you might have faced in relationships with other people. We love him because he first loved us. And God says, you know, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love, I don't want your offerings, I want you to know me. And sometimes, you know, we think we make worship into this, this kind of thing, this ceremony, and, and we get all upset if things don't quite happen the way that they should do, or things get out of order. And you know, God's not interested in that, he just looks at our hearts, and he wants us to love him, and to know him. That's the first and, and the most important purpose in your life, to know and to love God. So when you get up every morning, you know, why don't you just start a day by just saying something like this, Lord, if I don't get anything else done today, at the end of this day I want to know you a little bit better, and I want to love you a little bit more. Because if you do that, at the end of the day, however bad the day's gone, no matter how many plans have fallen apart, no matter how many things you didn't get done, if you've learned to love God a little bit more, and you know him a little bit more, then that day has been a success. Because that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. On the other hand, you know, you can, you can get through all sorts of things. You can, you can get through all the 24 things on your to-do list. You can accomplish all sorts of things. But if at the end of the day, you don't know God anymore, and you don't love God anymore, then you've wasted that day. You've wasted that opportunity. Because every opportunity, every day is an opportunity to know God that little bit more. The first reason God put us on earth... Is to love him. It says. In Exodus 34. He is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. You know God is passionate about his relationship with you. He longs to know you and to love you. Passionate about the way he feels about you. I've been married quite a long time now. Uh, we, uh, we celebrated our silver wedding anniversary. And, uh, you know, I bought my wife some flowers for our wedding anniversary. Impressive, eh? But, you know, if I'd have, if I'd have given my wife, if, I, if I'd have gone to my wife and I said, listen, I just want to explain the strategic reason why I bought these flowers for you. Number one, um, you're my wife and I'm your husband. Number two, it's our, it's our wedding anniversary. And number three, husbands are supposed to give wives flowers on their anniversary. Uh, I'd have kind of killed the, uh, the moment, wouldn't I? I'd have spoiled it. Because what she wants is my passion. She wants to know that I love her, and that's what God wants. So how do we express our affection to God? Well, we just say thanks. You know, thanks. Thank, we learn to thank God in every situation. We say thanks, God, for this day. Thank you, God, that we've got these things. Thank you, God, for these people. We can express our thanks to God. Uh, that's worship. In Romans 6 it says, give yourself completely to God since you have been given new life. Again, remember, it's always a response. God has given us new life. We respond to him. So, worship is focusing 
my worship is using my abilities. This is the third thing. Worship is using my abilities for God. And this is loving God with all your strength. God wants us to use our minds. He wants us to use our heart and soul. And he wants us to serve him with our abilities and with our strength. He says in Colossians 3, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as though you're working for the Lord and not for people. You know, this can transform the way that you live. This particular verse could transform the way you live. Whatever it is that you do, if you suddenly decided that I'm... Tomorrow morning when you go to work, if you decided I'm working for a new boss today, whatever I'm going to do tomorrow, it's for God. It could actually transform your whole life and situation. Many people think that to worship God, you know, you've got to be in a a monastery, in a religious place. You can worship God wherever you are on a Monday morning. By offering whatever it is that you're doing and saying, I'm doing this for God. Whether it's washing the dishes, whether it's going to work, whether it's looking after the children, whether it's looking after an elderly relative. You can say, I'm doing this for you, God. And it will transform the way that you work. If you don't get anything else... Just remember that, that, that your life can be transformed by offering what you're doing to God in worship. I love the way the, the message paraphrases it. It says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. This is a different way of living. Worship is about the way that we live and this is a different way. It's offering everything we are and everything we do to God in worship. And it's that word again, offering. We're called to offer. So many people misunderstand worship. They come to church and they're thinking, you know, you know, so many times you hear that phrase, there was nothing in it for me today. If you're the children, you might be saying that. No, I'm joking, Gary. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So often, so often we, we come to church and it's like, it's all about me. Oh, I didn't like the songs. The preacher went on too long. And uh, we forget that when we come to worship God, it's about what we've got to offer to God. We come to offer God something. It's not about us. The 40 Days of Purpose book starts off with that phrase, it's not about you. And worship is not about us, it's about us offering our lives to God. So decide that we're going to live a little bit differently. We're going to focus our attention, not on ourselves but on God. We're going to seek to worship him in every aspect of our lives. We're going to learn the true meaning of worship. We're going to make it our goal, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, to please him. That's what you and I were created for, to please God. And it just amazes me and makes me want to go, wow, to think that there's something that I can actually do that will cause rejoicing and pleasure in heaven. And that's a simple act of worship to offer myself.